by Joseph C. Kihiu. Ideas are powerful. They change the world, for good or for evil. And this is evident, whether we think of the serpent's old idea of self-governance and self-fulfillment in the Garden of Eden that plunged humanity into sin, and all creation into futility and bondage to corruption, Genesis 3 1-24, Romans 8 20-21 or of Hitler's idea of the Germans as a superior race that led to millions of death of the condemned inferior classes of humanity. It takes a persuasive idea to corrupt the truth and to sway a whole generation from the right path. And the Christian faith is not exempt from this invasion of false ideas. It is nearly a gospel truth to many that Christ died to, among other things, to free us to pursue our life's purpose and destinies. One respected author and preacher in Kenya defines destiny as the place where God ordained you to reach or occupy in life. It is what you were intended for, the plan that existed concerning you before you were born. This destiny carries everything a person needs for his or her life since one's destiny has made provision for everything he or she will ever need or require in this life. He goes on to assert that all manifestations of hardship, struggle, barrenness, poverty and suffering are battles about destiny. The challenges you may be experiencing are just manifestations of the real battle going on in the spiritual realm. Don't focus on the manifestations, the real battle is about your destiny. If you become what God wanted you to become in this life, you will not struggle because by becoming you will obtain what was ordained for you. A full-fledged theology. As these quotations reveal, the teaching on the pursuit of destiny is a subset of a well-developed system of theology. This system of theology has come to be known by many names, health and wealth, name and claim it, or prosperity theology. It has its own understanding of God, the spiritual realm, satanic and demonic operations, the goal and purpose of life, the goal of Christ's death and the extent of that work, the task a Christian is called to in this life, and so on. And it sadly misses on God's truth in all these categories. I had wholeheartedly bought into this idea of the pursuit of destiny. Reading such teachers and listening to their teachings had convinced me that there is a kind of life that I was meant to be enjoying as a Christian which I was not. The above quoted author summarizes this conviction, In his divine love, God has made a provision for your health, wealth, peace, and being in right relationship with him. He then quotes 2 Peter 1 3 to support this claim, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, leaving out the rest of the sentence which would show that the all things and life and godliness has nothing to do with material things or bodily health but with growth in Christ-likeness, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. I had so bought into this theology that I wrote a whole book on it using Ruth as a case study. In that book, which will thankfully never get to be published, I completely missed on the plain and true meaning of the book of Ruth which is the glory of the sovereign God who saves and justifies the ungodly, both Jews and Gentiles. Looking back, I am ashamed that I left this glorious gospel truth and chased lessons from Boaz and his barley fields. Even the simple fact that Ruth's and Naomi's heartbreaking losses could never be equated with any material thing eluded me. This is how much a false theological persuasion can blind our reading and application of the scriptures. It is obvious that one article cannot fully deal with all the facets of this theological perspective. But we can at least get to the following foundational issues that this theology contradicts the truth of God's word when it comes to the teaching of pursuing destiny and purpose. A misrepresentation of God. A theology that misses on the truth about who God is does not deserve anyone's attention, 
let alone faith and commitment. It is tragic since it contributes to a soul's remaining bound in darkness and still pursuing what does not satisfy in the name of God. Any religious pursuit built on a false understanding of God is a broken cistern that cannot hold water to satisfy the soul, Jeremiah 2.13. Prosperity theology in general, and the teaching of the pursuit of purpose and destiny specifically, gravely misses on the nature and purposes of God. Instead of bowing before the sovereign God who rules over all things, Psalms 115 3, 33-9-12, Dan. 434-35, The God who sets the limit for the operations of both Satan and the demons, Job 1 6-12, 2-1-6, Mark 5:13. This theology has a God who wholeheartedly desires and wills to do his children good in this life but he is tragically frustrated by their limiting names, generational curses and satanic schemes. Flowing from this theology's misunderstanding of the nature of God is the devaluing of the person and ministry of Christ. Christ as the present sovereign and Lord of all is not embraced. This is evident in the belief that one can be in Christ and still be under generational curses and demonic possession and oppression that exchanges, weakens, steals, delays, kills, aborts, destroys, attacks, covers, and hides his or her destiny. The God and Christ of this theology is so weak and not in charge that neither deserves anyone's worship and respect. Thankfully, the biblical God and the biblical Christ are so glorious, so in charge, so sovereign that God's children can do nothing other than respect and worship. A Misrepresentation of the Christian Calling While Apostle Paul celebrates the reality of a believer's privileged position in Christ, this theology downplays it. According to the teaching, one who is in Christ is not yet in his or her purpose and destiny. Possessing Christ is not enough, satisfying or the goal for why God called a believer. Therefore, instead of counting everything as loss and rubbish for the sake of gaining Christ, Philippians 3 7-11, the gospel is judged as incomplete if health, wealth, promotions, positions and elimination of struggles in life does not accompany it. This position misrepresents the nature and purpose of Christian discipleship, while Jesus called those who follow him to count the cost, deny themselves, carry the cross daily and follow him, LK. 923-27, 1425-33, the teaching of the pursuit of purpose and destiny reverses that call. Instead of pursuing a holiness of life where all things are done and experienced for the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10:31, the pursuit is changed to things to do with this life, the very things Christ has warned us not to be preoccupied with just as the Gentiles are. Matt. 625-34. Another aspect of the Christian calling that is undermined by both prosperity theology and the teaching of pursuing purpose and destiny is Christian suffering. As the above quoted author says, all manifestations of hardship, struggle, barrenness, poverty and suffering are battles about destiny. But is this true according to God's word? Of course not. All suffering came with the fall of man into sin yes but God has a purpose with it in and through the lives of his people. It is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God, Acts 14:22. for it has been granted to us that for the sake of Christ we should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake, Philippians 1:29. While man's fall into sin is the genesis of all pain and suffering, our experience of it is not always because of our sin or of satanic works, Jn. 9-1-3, 11-4. Our suffering with, and for, Christ's sake is a public testimony of our sharing of his sonship and heirship of God, Romans 8:17. A misrepresentation of spiritual warfare. Lastly, the teaching of the pursuit of one's purpose and destiny misunderstands the true nature of Christian spiritual warfare.
And this is connected with the previous point. Once the center of the Christian calling is made to be the believer's earthly good rather than the pursuit of the glory of God, spiritual warfare will be twisted to be centrally about responding to all the enemies of that man-centered welfare. But this is absolutely against the biblical meaning and nature of spiritual warfare. Biblical spiritual warfare is about subjecting our hearts to the reign of God in all our thoughts, desires, choices, words and actions. It is about standing firm in God's salvation, truth, righteousness, word, faith, prayer and in the living out and proclamation of the gospel in a hostile and evil world, Ephesians 6 10-19. Spiritual warfare has absolutely nothing to do with physically fighting Satan, binding or overthrowing him, for if we could we would have already done it once and for all. And it has nothing to do with chasing Satan so that we can recover our stolen, delayed, exchanged, aborted, killed, hidden, and so forth, destiny. Contrary to the idea that the real battle is about your destiny is the biblical truth that it is about the glory and worth of God in and through your life. The real battle is whether we will exist for ourselves or for God and His glory. Now that is the true daily spiritual warfare. Conclusion Salvation is about submitting to the reign and purposes of God in and through His Son Jesus Christ. And when one is in Christ, he or she has already arrived at the place God wants him and possessed all that God wants him or her to possess and enjoy. And that is God Himself. Any idea of there being an earthly reality called purpose or destiny that ought to be pursued beyond having, knowing, enjoying and obeying God, in and the Christ, through all of life's realities and circumstances is a lie. Man's purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. This happens only in and through Christ. About the author Joseph C. Kihiu, Prince Joseph, is a Christian blogger and a Bible teacher and apologist with open scriptures. His passion is to see God glorified through the gospel of Christ for the joys of all people, to see believers in Christ equipped to effectively declare and live the gospel of Christ and the unbelievers come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph lives in Nakuru, Kenya with his wife Olive and their two children, Calvin and Sharon.